welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. But I wanted to talk about this first of all, protect the presence. Um, because it's, in my mind, it's the most important thing. You've learned lots of theory. You've learned lots of wonderful, wonderful things, life-changing things. But he or she, the Holy Spirit, is the one that you're with. And you're going to go on a trip to Spain. And you can't do it without him or her. I keep using her. <coughs> without her. She is the best. And this is important. Okay, protecting the presence. Now, I've managed to get Ian Jeffries to come and speak next week. And that is wonderful news. I mean, he's just got back from America. And the reason it's wonderful is he has just done a mission trip exactly like yours in that he went, okay, with his friend, where should we go, Holy Spirit? Now, the Holy Spirit said to them, California. So I think you need to speak to Rebecca and say somehow or other she got it wrong. It wasn't Spain, it was California. I think that's where you should have been going. Anyway, California. Then it was things like where should we sleep? Where should we go and do our ministry? Uh, who do we pray for? So it was like there was no agenda apart from the agenda the Holy Spirit put together. And that's just exactly what you're going to do in Spain. Uh, and so to hear from somebody who's done it, seen the success, seen what it's like, tells you the difficulties, tells you the, the, the wonderful... Well, he had lots of fun. So he tells you the fun of doing it. I think it's going to be very helpful for you. Um, and he'll talk about healing. He sees it all the time, sees it at work, sees it wherever he is, just healing going on. So I, I wanted to start off by just really reiterating something to you, is that you carry within you the solution to everything. You have it. You, it's like there isn't a situation, a problem, a, a something in somebody's life, whatever, that you do not have the solution to. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's with you. Jesus has done it. And the more you grasp hold of that, and more you believe it and passionately say, yes, this is true, I carry this in me, the more when you face a situation in front of you, you will come with that confidence that he can be there and he can do things, right? It all comes down to following him, following what he says, you know, responding to what Jesus wants to do. Remember, it's Father's works that he's opening up in front of you and you're choosing to respond to them. But in that response, there needs to be confidence in you. There needs to be absolute assurance. Jesus did it all. I know it, right? And this problem that I face in front of me here, he's got the answer. Now, so you, you've gone through the school, you've learnt lots of things, you've experienced lots of things, you've had things that have really challenged the way you think, all of that, okay. But in the end, when you're faced with praying for somebody, it's you, Jesus, Holy Spirit together right and he looks for somebody with passion remember it talks about that the kingdom of God is taken by force so that that really describes the way that you've got to be not this not arrogant aggressive person but that you assertively know that Jesus has done it all and you're not there going oh I don't really know I don't know what that uh. <laughs> don't let yourself fall into that trap all right 
be confident of what God has done. Um, I want you to understand that when we start talking about healing, that the enemy's a kleptomaniac. He just wants to get everything back that ever was taken away. You know, Jesus took away everything. He wants to get it all back. And so he, he, he attacks people with negative thoughts. And as you as a team, that's what he will use. His tactic will be, oh, it's not a nice day today. I had something wrong yesterday and I feel bad. Andy's just made a terrible song and I just feel I don't like to be with him. And he will just attack you like that. And if you just mull over it, then he really just loves to get in between you. So you as a team now need to start saying, I ain't going to have any of that. I am going to live with each other and honour each other and bless each other and expect the best in each other, right? And I'm going to trust my fellow friends because that's where love would be and that's the antidote really to everything the enemy tries to do. June Richards um, has a wonderful testimony of healing. When she was a young mum, she was about 23, uh, she became very um, depressed, uh, quite seriously depressed actually. Um, everything that she looked at was be, uh, you know, if she saw a blanket, she would be thinking it was her death shroud. If she saw a linen box, she'd be thinking it was her coffin. She looked at the table with the tablecloth over it, that her death was going to occur. And, you know, she had Sharon as a young baby at that time. It was just terrible for her. Um, and she was a, a Christian, a young Christian mum, and couldn't cope with all of this depressive attitude and feeling that she had. Going to the doctor, all the doctor could give her was the prescribed drugs, um, and just told her, well, nothing much we can do for you, Mrs. Richards. And she said life for a period of a year was just terrible just couldn't cope with it. Then there's this something in her. She like read this scripture which says, you know, my burden is light. Take my yoke upon it. Jesus saying this, my burden is light. So she said, Jesus, please, I want to have your burden. Could you just take my burden? And she said in that exchange of I'm looking at you, Jesus, now. You are my solution. You've done everything for me. Your burden is light. She said, she was healed. Her mind just became in the right order again. And she said, it's, it was just wonderful. That day, she said, I was sat doing my knitting when Brian came home from work and I was in my right mind and he was just like, oh, what has happened to you? She says, it's just Jesus has given me his burden. I just feel so light and free. So she said, it was just a wonderful encounter with Jesus and bringing healing. But she said, a month later, she was stood in her house and all the same feelings crept over her. She said, it came from the top of my head, just seemed to crawl down my head, over my shoulders, down through my body, the feelings of death, the feelings of wanting to be away. And she said, the, the, the thoughts that were coming in were, see, you weren't healed, see, you weren't healed, see, you weren't healed. You know, Jesus didn't do it, did he? He didn't do it for you, did he? And she just, something in her rose up and she stood like, stamped her foot and she said, no, Jesus did everything for me 
And these feelings and these sensations are you, enemy, and I no longer want them. And she said the same thing, just crawled back up her and came off the head and left. And she's never, ever, ever, ever had it ever since. And I wanted to share that testimony with you because we, we tend to think, oh, well, if I pray for somebody to get healed and they're healed, that's fantastic. But there's another dimension going on that the enemy likes to grab back what was taken by Jesus. And sometimes you have to give some wisdom to people to help them to know how to stand in that authority. Remember I was talking about authority that you have? <laughs> uh, so you have to stand in that authority. Uh, and just to help people with that post-prayer life, because it's very easy to get a thought which is, oh, I thought I was healed, but I'm not. And then you're just struggling with it. I mean, she's had numerous other healings. She's healed of emphysema, which is a disease which um, causes your lungs to go brittle. Um, she was healed of that totally. Um, healed of a, um, a back condition where, you know, her spine's out, um, having to lie in bed with a collar around her neck, just couldn't move for the pain. And a prophetic word came. A couple came in, prayed for her, said, this night you'll get out of your bed. So what did June do? She said, this night I'll be out of my bed. We're looking at my watch. That means by midnight I'm out of my bed. And as soon as she said that, she sat up, totally healed. So I shared those three little, those three testimonies. They're not little, they're wonderful. Those three testimonies, just of healing of somebody that you know, you've seen around in church. And it's, healing is real. It is absolutely real. There are many, many questions. Yes, I agree with you. Why doesn't everybody get healed? Why doesn't it X, Y, and Z? I know all those questions. But the truth is, what Scripture has said and shown us is that on the cross, Jesus did everything for us. By his stripes, I am healed. In Isaiah, it says that by his stripes, uh, we are healed. It's like um, putting it into the future. But in Peter, Peter puts it the other way, and he says, by his stripes, I am healed. I, it's done. It's a done deal. So in the New Testament, it's a done deal. So we as a church, if you like, just as a church, we are pushing this forward. We want to see everybody healed, absolutely everybody healed. We want to move forward with the Holy Spirit. And what I'm going to start talking about now, protect the presence, is important in this understanding of healing okay and it's important for you with regard to the mission trip you're going on so that's enough of an introduction it's started okay when you grow up in uh, a church situation where there's little presence of Jesus displayed I'm not going to say there's none because gosh every church he comes Jesus comes every church he does um, but when there's little outward evidence of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, of healing, of deliverance, uh, of uh, any uh, supernatural activity of God, it's very difficult to like, really understand what Jesus taught because it's like you're not really aware of what's going on. It all feels a bit like you read Acts. Well, that was for Acts, but do I ever see any of that? And, and you get this feeling of people beginning to struggle with it. 
But really, we as a church have been experiencing more and more of the presence of Jesus, obviously, the Holy Spirit with us, the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And so are you. And therefore, let's learn together how Jesus taught his disciples to really honour the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it starts really in Luke 10, verse 4. And this is where Jesus commissions the 70. And they've had less training than you have. You've been here since when did you come in? September, was it? Yeah. September, you've been here from September, October, November, into September, nearly three months. So you've had three months of training, listening to people like Phil Drysdale, Rebecca, Andy and Sharon, teaching you wonderful stuff, wonderful revelation of God's word. These 70 were on the fringe of Jesus, and he calls them together and he sends them out as a, as a group in, and in Luke 10, verse 4. And off they went. And what he said to them was, don't take anything with you. Don't take any clothes. Don't take any money. Don't take any food with you. I.e., don't take the things that make you self-reliant. Go yourself and be reliant on the Holy Spirit. And that's a big challenge. That's a big challenge for us here in the West because we like to, we're taught, aren't we, to protect ourselves, take your bag of clothes with you and your money with you and, you know, get your euros and you'll be all right. And, but Jesus didn't really do that at all. He intentionally sent them out above their heads. And this time, we're doing that to you as well. You're the first group, I think, to go fully on a mission trip like this, where it's, I mean, we've been very kind to you. I think you've got all-inclusive, haven't you? <laughs> I, I mean, it's not really like Jesus sending them out. Is that right, all-inclusive? Yeah, yeah, she's nodding. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's not vegetarian. Look at that. Must have been all inclusive as well. That's why they didn't need anything. You know, so Jesus sends them out above the heads, and really, we're doing that to you. In that, there's no safety net of a nice little church to go to, and a nice Sunday service to have a little go at. No leaders, there's nobody, nobody telling you, do this today and do that tomorrow. So you could sit by the pool all week and have a lovely holiday. You could, but I don't think you'll do that because you have something deeper inside you that you want to experience, which is that reliance on the Holy Spirit. What is it going to look like when I put myself out above my head? You know, I've never done this before. Can I really... Trust you, Holy Spirit, to guide me, and I believe you can, okay? So they stepped into situations that would, they would need each other, exactly how you're going to go. They absolutely, didn't. remember you sent them out in twos, they need each other. I'd encourage you to go out in twos or threes or in groups, because you just need to bounce off each other. And they, they needed to discover the direction of the Holy Spirit. So will the Holy Spirit give us direction as to what to do? Well, hopefully we'll hear from Ian how he does uh, and how he will give you direction. Now, don't be um, a bit over-spiritual by going, you know, 
Holy Spirit, what should I eat today? Or what clothes should I put on today? You know, it's not that, really. You know, he'll guide you to where Father's work is being done. And then it's your joy, joy to join in with him in what he wants to do. Okay? So the goal was to learn to work with the Holy Spirit. And that's the goal here. Because if you catch this, catch this, then you can walk into any church situation and do the, I'll do a sermon at the beginning or lead some worship or, or I'll pray for people or prophesy over them. You can do any of that because it's still just following Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. So Jesus was interested in connecting them to the process of hosting the presence and that's our desire, is that we are hoping that you'll connect with the presence of the Holy Spirit and connect with him, okay? And he's more interested in that than the outcome of any meetings or the outcome of anything else. He wants you connecting with him. Um, the other thing that he said to them, when you enter into a house, let your peace, you know, let your peace come on the house. And I don't think he really meant, you know, within many of our churches, you know, we'll sign and say the sign of the peace, you know, we'll shake hands and say the peace of the Lord be with you, which we do here in some of the English churches. And I don't think he meant that at all, all right? Um, the world thinks of peace as an absence of things an absence of conflict, an absence of, um, you, you know, noise or an absence of war, and that would be peace. But the Christian doesn't see peace like that. Peace is a person. It's the Prince of Peace. It's Jesus. Okay? So, when he said about, let your peace come upon this household, he's really talking about the person, the Prince of Peace. I think I've shared with you, Gaff had um, bowel cancer um, a few years ago. And, the, you know, you get that information and it's just like, oh gosh, it's so overwhelming. Uh, and I remember uh, we had had some work promises of what God was going to do. And I remember walking into work, I was walking through the car park at work, and I was just thanking Jesus, thank you for all those promises, I know they're true. I know the revelation of them, Lord. I know what you're going to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. And all of a sudden, peace came on me. And it was like a blanket. I could feel it just cover me. Who's that? What is Holy Spirit? And from then on in, I knew there was going to be a good report. Every time Kath went to the hospital, there'd be a good report, good report, good report. There has been five years now. Good report, good report, good report. So, that's the peace we're talking about. It's the person that you're releasing into this household. Okay? Our, our ability to respond to the command of Jesus to release peace over a household is central to his instruction for ministry. It, it, put it in a different language. Your ability to respond to Holy Spirit and say, Come Holy Spirit, I invite you in here. And to recognize him coming in and moving and doing things 
is just key to ministry in every type of ministry, whatever, whether you're doing a sozo with somebody, whether you're preaching at the front of church, whether you're prophesying over people, whether you're out on the street, whether you're at home with your family, that ability to learn to invite Holy Spirit into every situation and to flow with him is just key to ministry. And that's what we've been trying to share with you, trying to help you learn, trying to help you pick up on, okay? It's, it's hard to release something consistently that you're not really aware of. So if you're, if you're not putting the... I'm going to use the word effort because in this case it's the, it falls under that category. You know, Paul says, um, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Paul says, you know, um, earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So it falls into this category. That's why I'm saying putting some effort in. So learning to feel, to sense, to respond to the Holy Spirit, key, absolutely key for everything, okay? And if you're not aware of him or what he's like, what he feels like, it's difficult to consistently invite him to come and minister. So one of the great mysteries of life, really, of our Christian life, is that our primary role as a believer is the stewardship of a person. It's just like, do you really mean that, God? Do you really mean that... Um, that, you know, that my role here is to steward a person, and it is the person, the Holy Spirit. Um, how do I would describe stewardship? Um, I'll put it in money terms. So if I had, you know, £100 here, I wouldn't want to just misuse my £100. I want to look after it, put it in the bank properly, get some interest on it. That would be stewardship of my money, right? Using it properly. Okay? So, person of Holy Spirit, me as a Christian, I don't want to use the word use, but I learn how to flow with Holy Spirit. I learn what his language is. I learn how to minister with him. I learn how to honour him, protecting the presence, is stewardship. Okay? Whereas if I'm just ignorant, so I, oh, it doesn't really matter, does it? I'm not, bust, not fussed. I'm not really stewarding his presence properly. Now, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. We know that. Fantastic, he is the Prince of Peace. But the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. And so, Holy Spirit, he is the person of peace. So when the 70 were told, go into those houses there and release peace, what were they asked to do? It's release the presence of the Holy Spirit. What are you going to be doing in Spain? Wherever you go, market, round the pool, in the restaurants, wherever you go, you're going to be releasing the Holy Spirit. And it's not a set of principles, it's a person that you're dealing with. There are wonderful principles about healing, and they're all true, and they all work, right? But grace trumps them all. <coughs> and people like Randy Clark would teach us that. Uh, we won't be able to watch it this week, but maybe in a couple of weeks' time we'll watch Randy Clark. 
teaching us about the whole presence of grace, i.e. the person, just trumps all principles. So our, our role as a group of people is to steward this presence of the Holy Spirit. But peace is a two-edged sword. It's calming, wonderful for the believer. It's that wonderful blanket that covered me, just like these blankets, just covered me with that. <gasps> I know you're with me, right? Wonderful. But it's highly destructive to the invasive powers of darkness. Pieces. He will just kick butt wherever the darkness is. And we've got to learn to join in with him because he does it through us, all right? And that power of darkness is invasive in people, you know, in lies, in uh, illness, in, um, you know, relationships that are not right. And under the understanding that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation to all of us. Reconciliation of people to God and people to people. That's our role and ministry that he's given us. So everything, every opportunity you have, you're bringing about reconciliation between people and God and people and each other. It says in Romans 16 verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. So this peace aspect, it's like two-edged sword. It's lovely and enjoyable, but it's also very destructive to the work of the enemy. You see, our assignment is to release the person of peace when you enter a home. For in doing so, you release the presence that is the actual atmosphere of heaven. And then as people yield their hearts to him, wonders occur. There will be people already in your area of Spain who are crying out to God, who are asking him, to come. And Father will be going, oh, good, Rose is going, I'll send Rose. And you'll be an encounter. Ophelia's going, I'll send Ophelia, she's got a violin. There'll be an encounter occurring because Father knows the people who are just saying, oh, if you're there, God, please show up. <laughs> and they send five people to Spain to show up. It's, it's as simple as that. When those yielding hearts come, it just undermines all of the power of the enemy. And that's why I started off by saying, you need to have in you this passionate confidence that you have the solution to everything. It's called Jesus. He is the solution. It may be so complicated you cannot think of the answer. Quite right. Who can? It may be so overwhelming, you think, this is impossible to ever solve. Who can? Jesus. That's so, if that deep sense of awareness, of confidence in my Jesus is there with you, and you're carrying it, then you don't face whatever's in front of you with the, oh dear, what am I going to do now? You face it with the absolute assurance that Jesus is the answer. Yeah. You know, for God, miracles are the simplest thing ever. It's as simple as breathing for God. He doesn't have 
supernatural and natural, everything's natural to him. It's just easy. No effort required at all by God. It, oh gosh, I didn't eat my Weetabix this morning, I'll struggle with Spain. You know, it's it, nothing like that. It's always possible. But you know, this is not where his desires are. Focus for us. His desires for us are, he wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. And that comes down to trust. Don't it? I'm going to choose to trust you, Jesus. Here I am as a nervous, rather scared person going to Spain. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. Okay. Then it's settled, isn't it? And that's what he's after. The other stuff, it's like, he can sort all of that out. But he's looking for that trust in your heart. To honour God, we live in such a way that unless God shows up, what we're attempting to do is bound to fail. So you can go to Spain and sit round the pool and you'll not fail. You'll have a wonderful holiday and it'd be great. That's not quite where you want to be. Where you want to be is where I'm, I'm on the edge. <laughs> right? And that's what Ian's going to talk to you about next week. He's going to share with you how being on the edge can be fun and enjoyable and how a father doesn't put you on the edge and you're scared stiff and you can't cope and whatever. That the whole life of being on that edge is quite liberating. Um, and, it, and I've heard his stories and they're just lovely to hear. Lovely to hear. So I won't share. I want, I want to tell you loads of them, but he'll do that next week. Um, so... Really, you know, that's where you're going. Unless God shows up, you know, what we're tempted to do will fail. Okay? So this abandonment was the whole nature of Jesus' life on earth, wasn't it? He was just abandoned to Father. And as he was abandoned to Father, things happened. Can you bridge the gap in your belief? that as you abandon yourself to him, he will show up. That's where you, that's what's happening. You're bridging that gap. Because at the moment, there's theory in your head. There's theory about what God can do, what he's like, how wonderful he is, how fantastic he is, you know. The, the wonderful theories that all people have shared with you. Oh, great, great, great. Now you need to put it into practice. You need to step out on that water there and feel a bit like Peter. Oh gosh, I'm sinking. Jesus, help. And <laughs> discover him helping you because he's not sticking you somewhere where it's like, oh, this is agony. I mean, last mission trip, uh, at least the one that Jones was on, um, he struggled because German, he liked to have a, an order. You know, like, what am I doing at 9 o'clock? What am I doing at 12 o'clock? What am I doing at 3? And what am I doing at 6? And Camille never gave him any of that structure. It was just, oh, let's just go wandering. <laughs> you know, and it was a bit like, oh, I, don't, I can't cope with that. So just bear that in mind with each other. Some of you will be like me, who like to have a nice structure and know what I'm doing tomorrow at 3 in the afternoon. But others of you will be like, I don't care about that. I'll just, oh, look, half past two. I'm in the market. <laughs> so 
bear with one another because you'll have different ways of approaching the life of a, a ministry trip. But in it all, what you're seeking to do and to learn is this abandonment to Jesus and that trust in him. He says to us, go into a city, go into this city in Spain, find a place to stay. Well, fortunately, we've found that one for you. Don't bring any money. We don't suggest that. Take some money with you. Uh, don't take enough clothing that you can take care of yourself for extended periods of time. Probably take some clothing with you. Make yourself vulnerable in the abandonment to my purpose. Yes, do that 100%. Right? Uh, so that unless I show up and provide and direct, it will not work. Now, how better than just putting you somewhere where it's not organized and saying, abandon yourself to him and start to see him work? Uh, you know, um, I don't know whether it's the father in me or whatever, but I would love to have everything sorted for you, you know all organized, all whatever, and nice comfort like the blankets around you, so you're okay. But Jesus never did that with his disciples. He just said to them, go off you go, off you go, go on, go. Are you sure Jesus? Yes, yes, absolutely, go on, off you go. You'll discover it in the going, you'll discover me. And that's where you are, in the going, you'll discover me. It appears that in the kingdom, we are safest when we're most vulnerable. That's a very strange feeling or a very strange place to be. You know, you can feel that. Even like things like preaching in a church, you can feel very vulnerable. You know, because it's like, oh gosh, who am I to talk to these people? Actually, you begin to have those sort of feelings. You feel vulnerable. But then, in that very place, you're safe. And it's the same for you. In that place of abandonment with Jesus, you're safe. Now, let wisdom come with you as well. You know, don't go walking into the red light districts because I'm it's all right. I've got my sword and I'm going to go there and I'm safe. You know, just be a bit wise. Just be a bit wise. But this vulnerability we're talking about is because I've chosen not to. Uh, provide for myself, protect myself, or, or be in control, because I'm choosing to not be in control, I'm vulnerable, but in that I find his safety, because he takes over control. So as I said, my idea of protection is different to his. I would make sure you, all the arrangements for the trips were taken care of, the contacts, the meeting places, the finances, the training, everything. I, I'd want that. But he's different. He just likes to say, hey, just go. Just go. Jesus sent them on a journey that was fully prepared for them, but not in ways that were often matter to us. It's like, I'm sending you off on this journey. I've got it all prepared. He knows the person in Spain that needs to hear, I'll just use an example, the violin, and he needs to hear Rose's testimony, and he needs to hear a caring, loving arm around. He knows that person. So it's all prepared. But it's not prepared in the way that we often would like to have it prepared. But he's got it prepared. Now the key is, can I learn 
to hear and feel and sense you, Holy Spirit, enough to follow you in those places? And are you able to trust me that even when it appeared to go wrong, you're, I'm going to still trust you, God. I'm just going to trust you in the middle of all of this, okay? Jesus, you know, fully prepared everything because the Holy Spirit would go with them. Jesus made sure that they stayed Holy Spirit focused. Do you get what I mean? I'm going to send you out. How do I make you Holy Spirit focused? Because you've got nothing else to rely on. The only thing you can rely on is Him. You're going to go places. It's not just for this mission trip. I mean, you're going to go places the rest of your life. And you need to be always Holy Spirit focused, trusting Him. Jesus provides the direction and the presence. What he gave the disciples ensures natural position, provisions would take place. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. How are you going to know the truth of that word unless you actually are vulnerable and put yourself in the position where he can provide all things for you? <laughs> disciples only knew who was worthy by the people's response to the Holy Spirit. That's what it said. He sent out, 70 out, you know, release your, release the peace. If it comes on a worthy person, you know, then stay there, honour them, have a food with them, etc. But if it doesn't, if your peace comes back to you, leave them, rush, rush the dust off your feet and walk away. Now, they only ever knew who was worthy by watching their response to the Holy Spirit. You, you can't tell it by, oh yes, look, I've just seen that person, they're worthy. You can't do that. Holy Spirit comes. They respond to the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. Um, you know, it's like, did the Holy Spirit rest on them? Did it rest on this group? You know, we watched that video with Will and Jamie and the various people that they were praying for, they're looking to see where the Holy Spirit's resting and they're ministering. There it is. It's summed up like that. Just go watch where the Holy Spirit is. That's why I've been trying to help you grasp to ideas or ways to see the Holy Spirit, feel the Holy Spirit, sense the Holy Spirit. You know, you're looking, oh, there. And that's, you're picking up where the Holy Spirit's resting, so now go and minister in that place there. Giving up the reins of being in control of your life, it's a, it's a big thing. We all like to take control. But giving up your reins of that, I want to be in control, is so important for ministry. Because it, you've got to let him take charge. You let him direct you. Let him be in in. The, the lead. His commission was to go and learn how the Holy Spirit moves. That's what it was. Go learn his ways. And that's all the commission is from us. We're not saying to you, oh, we want to expect him to see six healings, four miracles, 25 conversions, and 14 prophecies. It's nothing like that. We want you to go and learn his ways. Go and experience him. Go and find him. Go and find him in Spain somewhere. Go find him what he's like. 
Go and find him that he can, you can be trusted. Go and experience him. And we'll be filled. And that's why I say protecting the presence. Having this realization, it is the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. Ah, oh, key. Prayer, you know, invite him to come in your group. Invite him to come over each other. Invite him to come over people that you're with. Don't get frustrated with it. It's hard, we can't, can't get anywhere. Don't, don't let those frustrations come in. Just let the serving you, Holy Spirit, wherever you want to go. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.